Why does that say internet? That's what this is. This is this is your direct link to the internet. We we printed you a hard copy of the internet, Joel. Oh damn! You can't just write sponsor. Who's the sponsor? Joel, you have one job. One job. This is like the one thing you come prepared with. <laughs> I only expect you to know one thing when you arrive in this room, and that is it. But I can't hear anything. It's dead. It's dead. Everything is dead. This will quickly turn into Saving Private Ryan. Okay, here we go. You are listening to Stack Exchange podcast number 51, brought to you by Pan American World Airways. Pan American. <laughs> now it's direct clipper service to Constantinople. This week, our special guests are Jeff Atwood. Hey, Jeff. Hi there. Coding Horror. Dan Fullerton. David <laughs> Fullerton. Dan Fullerton. Why does it say You can put David Fullerton. <sighs> David Fullerton. Hi. <laughs> Jay Hanlon. Say it was the, the hand. Oh, so, so we're just continuing on, not not redoing that? You want me to redo it? Uh, well, now that you said <laughs> it, no, 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 no. Have Let's to. keep going. Just keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. Uh, along with, uh, as usual, producer Alex. Hello. And show notes by fake producer Alex Abbey. Hi. Welcome, Jeff, back to the podcast. After, after many, many years of being away, we've made 51 episodes without you. No, no. Actually, Je- Jeff was on the early podcast episode. Yeah, we've only made like 20 with it. Yeah. We had a whole segment last week on the various different kinds of episodes we could... There were different categories of episodes. There's been 50, there's been 50 Stack Exchange podcasts, right, right. but Jeff was on many of them. Yeah. The early ones. Yeah, he was on the early ones. As well as all of the old Stack Overflow. And all 80, yep. 187? 87. 131 Stack Overflow podcast. Okay. That's sponsor and guest intro. Done. Number two. They've given me post-it notes, Jeff, because I don't know what, how to organize these podcasts. You used to be in charge of this. What? No, no, you were, you were always in charge of that. <laughs> no, no, you always, you always had an agenda that was ready. So I was just like, I just came along and just sort of, you, 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 you had an agenda. I don't oh, think I you're think remembering this. No, change. no, no. Joel did, Joel, you were very instrumental in the podcast. Joel was the motivating force behind the podcast. Okay. You came up with the original idea. Yeah. You came up with a lot of the structure. I would have a few things we would talk about. But yeah. I think that's very unfair to you. You were heavily involved. I definitely did not show up with anything to talk about. Usually you had some stuff that you had worked on that week. That we talked about. I think if you were planning the agenda, yeah. it would just be like a rapping granny singing huskies the whole time. Well, it would <laughs> eventually devolve into that. I don't know if it would start. If it would start with a rapping granny. Okay, we got site milestones. Site milestones. Okay, Jay, what are some of the site milestones going on? We have very little in the way of our traditional site milestones. We have no new sites that launched since we last talked because we're back on a nice regular schedule. Yeah. We do want to remind everyone that our space site is now in open beta. And so people should go check yeah. it out because when we last spoke about it, it was in private beta. So it's doing pretty well. A lot of enthusiasm. And so people should go to space.stackexchange.com and participate in that. We have no new site milestones. We did. That was worth talking for a minute only about um, we shut down an Area 51 proposal. We review these at a certain amount of progress in the commit phase. Kind of look at these sites and say, all right, they've gotten, you know, they've kind of figured what they want to be about. They've gotten some good committers. And we look at whether we think they've got a good shot or if they're likely to benefit more from some redirection based on what we've learned. And we actually spent a bunch of time on the community team talking about the end of proposal. I think all of us are a little bit enamored with the idea of location-based proposals. I, for one, would kind of love... What was this? Could you India, what India. the site was? India. What was it the was proposal? Make India. A whole site for India. Its name was literally India. There is... I don't want to bring this up, but there is a controversy going on on Quora right now about how they just got overrun by Indians. This was not about India pro or con yeah. or Indians like them, don't like them. Yeah. It was only going to be one question. I'm not. I'm definitely <laughs> not interested in any site dedicated no, 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 to whether Indians are good or bad. I'm just wondering if there's a historical relationship between the fact that the Quora, there's this whole 
thing going on in Quora right now. No, uh, I think that this accident of history. Yeah, this yeah. this coincidental. This, this is a, a, a kind of proposal's been around for a while, and there was there was an Indian culture proposal at one point, and then to get a broader audience, they expanded it to India, Indian culture and Anything. the country and the government. Yeah. There's a part of us that wanted to see this work. I, I still I still think that it'll be interesting if we could someday launch that New York City site. Oh, yeah. I wanted to do that. I think a lot of that will be at risk Isn't of getting Sam obsolete. There's some obsolete issues. There's some opinion issues. But I think it'd be an interesting experiment. But even if we're in that kind of happy experimental mode, I think the problem we had with India, because I started with, well, maybe we should give them a shot. And yeah. I think Robert and some people correctly said, Josh, too, you're crazy. This is terrible. This will not work. Wait, what? Really? India. Why would it, well, it work? Stick with me is I think the problem is imagine if it weren't a different country. So we live in America. So like India, that's interesting. They'll all focus on India. Imagine if the site were America. Yeah. It's history, that culture, and the United things States. interesting yeah. to Americans. Yeah. It's essentially Yahoo Answers. It's Let's Yahoo do Answers maybe in English. The original 13 states. <laughs> <laughs> and you need to have firsthand experience, direct, right. direct witness. But so I think the trick becomes it's hard to imagine if you live in India. What is off topic on this site? Nothing. Nothing mm-hmm. is off topic. And so I think the difficulty we got I is see. your favorite programming cartoon. Right. This where is to buy groceries. This is essentially a country much, much bigger than ours. Yeah. Where you could ask anything. Yeah. Anything. And so you get back to this Yahoo Answers problem. Where what are the odds that the people asking the questions are bumping into the experts who can answer them? If you change it to where you live, it sounds ridiculously broad. Well, New York kind of makes sense. And you could actually. New York does. You could come up with a subdivision. You couldn't say it's not about everything in India, it could be about history, politics. Culture. I think any one tourism, of any one of those is a language. Theor- theoretically, any of the site. fourteen languages, forty-seven thousand languages. There's but, a lot of languages there. Yeah, but everything in India, just doesn't seem to work. Like the the odds that you wind up with a core group of experts who are helping each other. Yeah, it's the same as it happening on Yahoo Answers or Ask Weirdos no, or any of these sites. That, I mean, again, going back to the encyclopedia rule, you could imagine an encyclopedia of India. A book about India would be too short. A, an entire library. You could have an entire library of India, so maybe it's too big a topic. Think about the United States one. It's just that's what cast into relief for me. And if you made it in the United States, the United States is a little bit. Uh, we're younger, smaller, we're smaller. Yeah, <laughs> right. This problem should be bigger in India. If that sounds silly to you, the India problem should be sillier. But you see, we're looking at it from a outside perspective. Incorrectly, there's no reason for us to. Right. Right. The pseudo-colonialism of, oh, what a quaint place. That's right. What, what interesting customs do they have in that quaint place? Right. If you're living here and have probably very little expertise in India, India yeah. seems like a very reasonably sized topic. Exactly. If you live in India, which it's presumably makes you more world. qualified. It's like one-fifth of the right. world or something. And so um, I'm highlighting it because it, it represents the type of thing that I think we theoretically want to encourage this sort of thing, but just the scope was so broad as to seem untenable. So okay. and that's a sad little slight milestone, but one that we hope... We're going to kind of keep an eye on it. Now, historically, weren't there smaller Indian sites that got squished out? Yeah, there's great proposal. There's an Indian culture site proposal, I think, and we're hoping that this energy can get rechanneled into something that I think is just more likely to have a group of people that help each other that are yeah. experts on the topic. Yeah, I'd like to do Bollywood. Bollywood would be a viable. Yeah, yeah, that would be perfect, right? Although that could be covered on our TV. I think, given the size, TV, TV and movies? movies would handle that pretty. Well. No, I don't know. Bollywood is its own thing. Right, it'd be a subset. It could be its, it's own tag. thing. Nah, I could, if you had good content on Bollywood in TV and movies, they would overrun it. Yeah. No, you're It'd right. Be too much, it's too big large. enough. If there were enough people, we just maybe don't have those people right now. All right. So, and third site milestone. Can I do Jeff? my site you milestone? Jeff. Jeff should This one involves Jeff. Oh, that's exciting. Jeff, do you know what today is? July 31st? I don't. It's two things. Wait, that was the thing? That was the... There are two things there today. I, I, was with, I, thought, I thought you meant the Joel thing at first. I don't know what the other thing is. Uh, the Joel thing. Is it like Taco's birthday or something? No. 
No, it's Harry it, Potter's birthday. Oh, it's, it's Harry, Harry Potter's, Potter's birthday. birthday. Which is exciting, but maybe not as exciting as it being Stack Overflow's birthday. Woo! Of the private oh, beta. Awesome. July 31st was when the was when the private beta began. So uh, if you look at like the people uh, who were there the first day, Jeff Douglas or Jeff Atwood, yours or uh, Jared's, <laughs> they all say now, member for five years. Ah, oh, awesome. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of, I, I remember we came out of beta. That was in like September. Right. But I don't remember when the beta started. All I remember is Joel like nagging the crap out of me. He's like, why does the beta start? <laughs> I was like, ah, I don't know. Well, you know, and you just but, yeah, flipped it on I, one I, day and went back to coding. That's right. Do I have member for five years? I'm user four. I should have that. You yeah, should. You should. You really should. There cool. were there were probably we should have looked up how many questions were asked that first day. We probably could. Probably dozens. Maybe someone in the peanut. Can. Laura says nineteen questions. Oh, never mind. That's Bollywood. <laughs> they're still ta- they're still talking about Bollywood. As usual, gallery. we have the most information on the least relevant thing. Just so. So Harry Potter's birthday. And Stack Overflow's birthday, though we're we're kind of uh, we're really going to celebrate the public launch in a couple months. But today is the the secret private launch, September fifteenth. Yeah. September fifteenth, I think go. was the public launch. So we're excited. All right, so that's site milestones. What else? Uh, what else you got? Featured site. Featured site. This is a new thing we're we're doing each week. This came from some conversations about here about from people suggesting we should dig into some of the more interesting content on sites, and yeah. I think. One thing we're going to do most weeks is uh, probably grab some of the most interesting questions from a site and kind of talk about the kind of content that people may not be aware of. So, like, I wouldn't tend to go to our math site, but they're like top 20 most interesting questions are awesome. They're just like kind of fascinating things that appeal to a lot of people. But this week, we're not going to focus too much on questions. We're going to instead highlight our open data site, which is, I think, a really interesting, exciting opportunity. We mentioned it when it launched. What's more interesting about it? What's open data? Open data. There are two words. One, the, So, open data. <laughs> These two words don't seem to go together for me. Open data is a site for people, for both developers and, I think, researchers who either believe there should be more publicly available data or are working on projects that involve using publicly available data to translate it into either more functional systems or create more accessible information for people. This is like the open government type of stuff? This is, yes. It is focused on data that is available to anyone, which generally comes from open government, which okay. is where I'm going. Or it could come from universities and other research projects that simply make source data available to everyone to use. We make our source data available. We do. We actually do, I think, an amazing job of that. Almost everything that's not public data super secret, like voting. Is... Okay, so, so open data. So open data, and we thought that's nice. There's a bunch of these enthusiasts who are into data and you know government data and how to use the census to tell people more interesting things and discover things and all that stuff. That's cool. And it got a lot more interesting last week when I got a message from Amanda that the White House had called and wanted me to call them back. The White House. The White but House. But you know who it was. Yeah, you were, you were not, not entirely wrong about Barack this. Barack Obama. It, how did you know? Have you, do, did you take that message? Sorry, I, I ruined the surprise. It was not Barack Obama. It was Jonah from Veep. It was, it was not quite Jonah from Veep, but like Jonah from Veep, it was probably an aggressive use of the term White House yes, calling. To mean the executive branch of the U.S. government. Yes, and having looked <laughs> further into it, technically the GSA, so it was a lawyer who was, I think, a subcontractor from an outside firm working for the GSA. So <laughs> not even an actual I think even, a, even if anymore. she worked for the GSA, she would, maybe, I could be wrong, she might work for the In any case, um, the GSA is technically an independent branch of government that is not controlled by the executive, legislative, or judicial branch, although they are part of the executive branch. Our government is very strange. I don't really understand it. But anyway, what's interesting about the site that I think has not gotten a lot of attention is the data.gov is a site that the GSA, under the direction of the White House, set up to basically make a centralized storehouse for government information that anyone can have. 
and they're pulling in all the state information and federal information. And the point is to kind of create more open government and share the things that were always theoretically accessible. But instead of you having to go file, I don't really know how it works, Freedom of Information Acts or dig into some crazy uh, dark archive, they want to put it all in one place where everyone can theoretically find it. Unfortunately, what I think they've created is a bit of a, it's like a, a giant, awesome, uh, what is it called? What's that room at the library where it's all resources room or reference room, a reference, okay. room reference room, where there's like 600 of these like corpora. And there's like one yeah. book that's dedicated to like what frogs think. And there's yeah. another one that has every like building. a list of every boat in the world. Right. And you yeah. go in there and all the information in the world's there. It's just, it's, mm-hmm. we'll talk about, it's like an old forum. You don't know how to find it. Everything's lost. But you go to this person who sits there who's not just a clerk. They're like a professional librarian, and they sit there all day. And yeah. you go, I need to know what frogs think about automobiles. Yeah. And yeah. they go, oh, you need frogs on motor vehicles from yeah. 1962. It's in this room. And yeah. I think what they've done is they've basically said you guys should be using Stack Exchange. Their website does not get that much traffic yet, so I'm not sure that's helping promote it. But they should. we've created this site on Stack Exchange where you should go and ask questions about what's accessible and tell us what you want even. Go there and tell us what you're looking for. I want this thing and we'll try to produce it and post it on data.gov mm-hmm. and put an answer there. And our top user there, who's also a, a moderator right now, is a woman named Jean Holm. I know what you're thinking. This is not the Jean Holm who's the first female one-star general of the United States Air Force. That's a different Jean Holm. I, I was not thinking that, but thank you. Yeah, it, I don't think I was either. It's because you guys have thought about her so much. You just feel like it's unhealthy. You've moved on No, from I can't that. stop. I no, can't I just stop. know that there's a lot of people with that name. You should Google Jean Holm. She, she looks really tough. She's the chief knowledge architect at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. She's a rocket scientist. Which she's literally a rocket scientist, or at least a rocket science knowledge architect. They're pretty like That is up there with Supreme Allied Commander, I think. Chief knowledge architect at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Pretty, Almost. Pretty high up there. She's similar to Admiral Akbar in that regard. But anyway, so she's on the site. She's actually literally there answering questions, pointing people toward the government data, asking what else people want. And just generally getting people whatever they need. So we've got this site, I think, that people don't even realize is a place you can literally go and say, I'm looking for this government data. Does anyone know where the hell it is? And the government will actually try to find it for you and post it right there. The whole government. So the interactions have been good. People are pretty engaged. There's not a ton of activity, so the the question count's still pretty low. I think it's worth highlighting that this is a place where you're extremely likely to find what you're looking for if you ask, because the actual primary source is there trying to get it to you to promote their open government initiatives. And eventually, they're going to stop that and turn it into a giant spy program, probably. So we should take advantage of this while it's still relatively benign. It's probably already that. That's all the NSA required me to read. Opendata.stackexchange.com. That's right. Cool. Okay, you skipped number three, I noticed here. New features. Oh, yeah, we got one small feature yeah. that we changed, which was just we added a new privilege. So we got the privileges list, which is the things you unlock as you gain reputation. Right. We've had these for a while, the review queues, but we just made a new explicit privilege. At 500 rep, you get access to the... First posts and late answers review queue. Is that right? And the review queues previously opened up when you got the thing you were reviewing for, right? So before, when you got the rights to, for example, close questions, you would get access to the closed votes review queue. Yeah, this already kind of existed. The only interesting thing here is that now it's much more obvious in public. You get a notification when you hit that rep milestone. It says, hey, go check out the review queues. They're here. This is how they work, which just, you know, makes it makes it a little bit nicer. So that happened. That was kind of a minor thing. The other more major thing is we announced our Android mobile app is going to alpha. There's a meta post where you can sign up to be, uh, if you've got an Android device, you can sign up to be on the alpha testers list. That's metastackoverflow.com slash question slash 190200. We need Jeff testing. 190200. He retweeted it and got us about 100 more testers on our list. But he's, Jeff, you're worth like 200 testers. You just tested it yourself. You wouldn't have to tweet it. He doesn't have time for that. 
Yeah. He's also had ass. <laughs> Do you use Android, I, Jeff? Are you, are you Android or iPhone? I Well, I really – I just got the new Nexus 7, which, by the way, is awesome. Did you? Like, I, I, I want one. It really can be recommended, I think, without reservation. It's so much faster than the old one, and it's truly a retina-class device now. It's basically what the iPad mini like was supposed to be. Wow. It's what the new Nexus – it really is and good. It's, it's cheap, I mean, too. Android, it's like 249 yeah, It still has really some – funky edges right but it's really good the core experience is really solid for like browsing the web and getting mail i don't know if it has your pet app that you love on it but it's a nice device it does because stack exchange android yeah. alpha app is coming out and trailers yeah, you and beta just buy a whole bunch of those they're really good yeah I, I really want one so the the android alpha is coming out this is our first mobile app so it's kind of an adventure figuring out uh, how to launch this thing and test it and get people to use it but we gave it to our first alpha testers we're kind of rolling it out slowly so they don't overwhelm us with bugs. This sounds exciting. What will such an app cost? I would pay nineteen ninety nine for such an app. Uh, for you, nineteen ninety nine. I'll take two. Anyone else? Free. Free. Free ninety nine. So yeah, so that probably won't be public for another few months. But we're because we're just in the alpha stages. It's only the kind of most core pages that are done. So like even even pages like the user profile page are not in the app yet. But viewing questions, asking, answering, commenting, voting. Uh, your inbox, it's one of the things that's really nice for is you get inbox notifications on your phone. If somebody answers your question, you get a, an immediate notification. Bing. Um, Bing. And it's got this new uh, this new feed view that I'm not sure. I guess we talked about it a little bit. Try, we'll we'll be Go talking ahead. about that more and more as, as the, the app gets closer to launching. I don't want to tease, tease the people feed. too much if they can't actually get it today. But if you're interested, sign up for the alpha. Cool. Hey. And I know I read... Ben's blog, he had a really good blog post on developing for Android that reflected a lot of what we learned there, which I, I love to read posts like that. Yeah. Ben Dumkey. So we've been taking our web developers, some of our oldest, best developers, and they've been learning Android and it's been uh, I don't really have mobile developers yet. We don't. Although we, we're hiring some. We're hiring some mobile developers. We're still looking if you're interested in applying. Yeah, that's a good post. Well, we could put it in the show notes, the link to Ben Dumkey's post on things I wish I knew when I started doing Android development. Yeah, it was good stuff. Can we talk about Jeff now? Let's talk about Jeff. That's it. That's we're not, that's not it. Here. We got he more. Can, he can listen. We got more. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about let's talk about Jeff's latest project. Jeff yeah. Jeff Atwood, I think everyone listening to this podcast knows, but just to be safe, we should remind yeah. everyone. Jeff is best known, I think, as an employee of Vertigo Software, most recently yeah, that's known pretty for much what he's known HBO as. Go. <laughs> he worked for an oft referred to but never named pharmaceutical company, along with Jeff Super Dalgus. He's father of Captain Awesome. Well, no, no, no. Wait, wait, hold on. That, that, was, was, that Jared. was Jared. 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 Oh, we don't. We, let's get the record. We have straight. a rule not to talk about Jared on the podcast. So I called him Super Dalgus. It's not that I was that's, wrong. I was protecting. Oh, I, see. I think that's uh, the I other word. Damn it! Damn it! Um, so and then so Jeff Dalgus, I should say, is actually the father of Captain Awesome and the Lady Babies. I've mixed everything up now. What are we talking about? Those are those are those are Jeff. Jeff Do you codenames. even have the show? Notes? <laughs> Jeff's code names. Captain Awesome. What happened to Rock Hard Awesome? Yeah, Rock, Rock Damn Hard it. Awesome. Damn it! Yeah. Um, all right, let me redeem myself. <laughs> this new the guy end. is and, not working out. And best, <laughs> Jeff is, Jeff is wrong. of course wrong. Is of wrong. course best, wrong. best known as original author of the popular Choose Your Own Adventure books that reinvigorated kids' interest in reading in the early oh, eighties. I love those books. You wrote those, Jeff? I may have misread one of his blog posts. It's possible. It's possible. Wow. He co-founded some other thing. There, there was, was another. Of, there was one about there Djibouti. There was another. The Jewels of N- Jewels of N- Nibuti. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. J- Djibouti, right? It was about the... <laughs> I think it's Nibuti. Was it Nibuti? I don't know why I know this. Djibouti is a real place, so maybe yeah. they changed it to Nibuti to be... Well, let me tell you a funny story. Like, So I talked to my son, Henry, and he's doing all the boy things. And I know stuff that I just... I don't know why I know the things that I know. <laughs> like, just dumb pop culture things like... 
you know, crazy superhero stuff that I know that I don't know. It's just dredged up from like my childhood. <laughs> like, why do I know this? <laughs> and Jewels of Nabuti is one of the things. It's called Jewels of Nudity. I'm like 99% sure. <laughs> and I don't know why I know that. Why does my brain need to know that? that it's I, it's that actually I funny how much like children's books last for like 200 years. Because everybody just buys the same children's books. They, they go to the store looking for a book they for their children. They buy their favorite books and give them to their kids. And they see their favorite book. You know, there's the one where they make soup out of a rock. And there's the one where that one. the donkey Stone, turns into soup. a rock. Good night, and there's moon. the one where, uh, yeah, Good Night Moon. That's a pretty That's recent really one, actually. Young. But some That's of these, not the oldest one. Some of these, it's go to after sleep. Madeline, remember Madeline with all the little orphans in France? Yes. A lot of these are ter- like they're... Like, read The books. Giving Tree. You've probably heard of it. <laughs> That's the a great Giving book. Tree. Oh, yeah. by Shel Silverstein. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know what you, that is? I remember, Communism. I remember it's a huh? great book, too. Do you know what The Giving Tree is yeah. about? It's this insanely codependent relationship where yeah. one person abuses and abuses the other until he's cut down, yeah, cut off the leaves, chopped off the branches, and the tree. chopped it to a stump, and the tree, so the tree decides to it's pretend so to be happy anyway because it has no other choices. <laughs> well, no. It is the That's not why. like giving tree again. And I'm like, a part of daddy's heart dies every time we read this. <laughs> it's happy because it's being the, the nature of a tree. It's actually being a tree. It's like, it's, it's teaching like, that trees yeah. want to be cut down. No, they want to yeah, be trees. It's, I'm happy because when my husband beats me, it calms him down <laughs> and makes him feel better about his stressful oh day God. at work. It is so Daddy's terrible. Been, Daddy's well, been you've drinking. been listening to Stack Exchange Podcast 51. And he needs to beat someone. By or... the way, Joel, for the first time ever, has not said the most offensive thing on the podcast <laughs> today. Just to be clear, I was clear that I do not think this is a good thing. Like I don't think the book is good. Day. I don't think domestic abuse is acceptable. Uh, okay, we can move on, but... So, Jeff, tell us what you're really working on. So, let's, let's start at the beginning. Discourse. Not all, not all the way at the beginning of your life, but discourse. So, so give us the, the five minutes. What is discourse? Why discourse? Well, the, the short version, it's, it's kind of similar to what we did with Stack Overflow, where you recognize that you're going places on the internet that are unpleasant, that you feel like you have to go to, to some degree. And instead of Experts Exchange being the, the culprit, or sorry, the hyphenated site, which is awesome. Like I, I had a recent talk and I talked about how it's awesome that like I'll go places and say experts exchange and there's just blank look. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, this is, is awesome. I was like, this is, this is what winning looks like, right? You <laughs> won so definitively. People don't even know what you're talking about. Anymore. You changed history. <laughs> yeah. Like awesome. I was like, it's, we've so completely accomplished that mission. So similar to that, what I found after, you know, I, I left stack exchange and I spent a lot of time with the lady babies who are doing really great, by the way was that I was still ending up on a lot of pages on the internet that I didn't like that really bothered me. <laughs> and most of them were forums because I would just sure. do searches. And every day or at least at least once a week, I end up on a forum searching for something on the internet. And forum software, as we know, is, is terrible, right? Like that was one of the, the reasons that we built Stack Overflow and Stack Exchange was a reaction to forums. But forums are very pernicious. I mean, like we didn't really displace forums at all. We solved a different problem, a very important problem, but I'm still getting a ton of form results that I basically hate. Like, I love the content, but I hate the format. I hate the layout. I hate everything about it except the people using the software. It's the classic term, you know, good people trapped in bad software. And it started to really bother me because I was like, I can't even... Startups would come to me and say, you shouldn't do this, by the way, but don't ask me for advice because I'm a really terrible person to ask for advice because I'll basically tell you, eat bacon and Twinkies all day long. That's basically what I'll tell you. So don't do that. That's great. But when advice, they do... Except for the Twinkies, the bacon part, that's excellent advice. Yeah. But when they do, a lot of times I would say, well, why are you asking me for advice? Why don't you ask your community? 
what they think of this thing that you've built. Why aren't you asking your community what they think? Because they, I don't know your site. I don't know what you're building. I don't, I'm just a random person on the street that you asked, basically. And the people that use your stuff should be able to tell you something more interesting than what I'm going to tell you as a casual observer from the outside. And the smarter ones would say, oh, that's a great idea. We don't have a community site yet. Let's set one up. What do you recommend for a community site? And then I started looking, and I realized that the state of form software since the last time I looked in 2008 had not advanced, like, really literally at all. And there was nothing that I could recommend to them that I, that I felt good about. Like, all I could give them was crap. It's like, Why here's is that? Like, usually there's something terrible, right? Someone's got to fix, like, how, do, how has it survived? Well, I think a lot of it's getting outsourced to, like, you know, say, Twitter or Facebook. But to me, that's a very different thing. Or, like, you know... Uh, what's some of those get satisfaction sites? Discus. Yeah, or Discus. But those are more like comments, blog comments. Yeah. yeah, kind of. Yeah, Discus has a different set of, but it's the same. You're right. It's in the ballpark. But you can't really outsource community. Like Joel has said, and I believe this very deeply, that you do not outsource core competencies. You don't do that. If it's a core competency, if it's critical to to what you do as an entity, you do it yourself because anything else is crazy, right? Like you don't outsource your community because your community is what you are. And if you set up a community and nobody's there to tell you anything, well, that's your problem. You don't have a community. Like, fix that. that <laughs> that's the problem. Nobody's telling you anything because nobody cares about your thing. <laughs> right? So until that's you harsh set up... advice for a startup, man. <laughs> mm -hmm. Is there well, something wrong with my software? No, you're boring. This is why nobody should really ask for advice because problem I'm with your software harsh. is that nobody loves you. <laughs> it, yeah, exactly. That's, that is sad now that you said it that way. But <laughs> I think that a lot of software is good. There's a lot of sites that people like, and you just got to give people the opportunity to engage with you and talk about what it is that you're doing. And even if you just talk amongst yourself, like, and this was one of the key observations that Joel made early on, was like these weekly calls we had, Joel and I, why don't we capture that and turn it into something the community can give us feedback on and tell us if we're screwing up or what we're doing well or badly or people aren't shy about this, as you know. Uh, and maybe they'll find it useful. That became sort of a metaphor for a lot of what we did on Stack Overflow and Stack Exchange was walking alongside the community to figure out where we're going. And I think that's great advice. And I think every company should try to do that. So even if you set up a forum and you're the only people posting on it, it's still good. Because you'll find those one or two crazy people that are crazy enough. It's like, wow, I really like what you're doing and I want to help you. And, <laughs> and it may not be the kind of help that you always like, right? Which is the downside. <laughs> But there's always some gems in there. Like I find reliably that the community, about 10% of the stuff you get is really good, like stuff you wouldn't have thought of or takes you in a direction that's really useful that just wasn't sort of on your roadmap. So I wanted to have software that I could give people and be happy about. Say, look, here's the software, set up a community, and it won't suck. And rather than going to the part of town where there's pawn shops and boarded up windows and bars and, you know, tattoo parlors and and, and you know, trash all over the streets, you can go to a nice area of town, like a Target, where it's sort of well-lit. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well understood what's going on. <laughs> Target. Can, I have two questions. Can, can you still buy drugs was... there? And is there an Olive Garden? I want to know. <laughs> There's probably an Olive Garden. Bar. Target is the nice part of That's your town? Nice is, that, is that what we just... Okay, and the bar is well, the bad part of town. The bar is yeah. bad. Target's good. Got well, it. it's an experience that sort of you understand, right? Like, you know what you're going to get. It's a very reliable it's, experience. It's reliable. It's of a reasonably high quality. It's not like Kmart. It's good not price. Like, 
you know, it, it's <laughs> one step. Uh, I, I laugh, but it's actually kind of a running joke in my family that whenever we go up to visit my parents in Connecticut, we go to Target and load the car up with like toilet paper and paper towels, and because it's just like half the price of what you pay in New York. How, how much toilet paper do you use in your house? I, this is like a thing you plan for, and it depends. No, it that's why you load up. The situation sometimes not very much. Sometimes you have, like a whole half a roll. You have like. <laughs> Is, is this a is there a f- fiber seasonality where okay let's let's move on let's go back to let's it sort of depends on what you eat use it all on jay's house that's what i'm recommending <laughs> i don't think jay has a house but this is a great Wherever idea he lives, if you could tp his entire apartment building i would be very now, the impressed. new the new big vandalism in connecticut is what they call yarn bombing or they they, they knit stuff on this is not back to the subject it's a thing hand it's a thing so let's discard. So so we're back to the you've wandered out of the out of the bad neighborhood and you've arrived at Shiny Target. That's right. So you know what you're going to get. And granted, it's it's you know it's not high end upscale, but that's not really the point of a forum. Forums are kind of a let it all hang out kind of place. Because yeah. what did we find early on that took us a long time to figure out? And I still feel bad about this because if you listen to the early Stack Overflow podcast, right? Joel and I would talk about like what questions we thought were interesting, and they were mm-hmm. all questions that turned out to be really bad long-term examples of like what you shouldn't do. In Q&A site. And here, Joel and I are going, "Yes, this is a great question." And if you look like a year or two years later, the community is like thoroughly rejecting they these questions. Yeah, because it's like you're getting a reputation for something that's just you know a picture that someone else created. It's not code that you wrote. It's not knowledge that was in your head. It's just funny picture that you happen to post, which is deeply wrong, really, if you look at the system that we build and how it works. But on a social site, that is what it's about. It's about, you know, what's yeah. the coolest way to do X? What's the best way to do X? What are you drinking right now? What are you wearing right now? Tell me something funny. You're just like... What do you think about today's news? Yeah. Yeah. You're just socializing, Did really. you see this thing? Yeah. Something struck me. I was watching your presentation, which is awesome. We should link to it at the end, as I do every night. And something struck me as I was listening to you talk about the difference. And I think one thing that's key about forums is when you land on a forum, the reason you're always sad, I always land on a forum when I was looking for a piece of information. So I like Googled some question. And if I land on a forum, I'm on page 632 of 1048. And there's a conversation. It's, it's bad, as we know, we talked before about why we're better at discovering information. But I think what forums stink at is a repository to find some piece of information. Where forums work awesome is where somebody goes to hang out. Like I think the key to a successful forum generally and it's you, the, the discourse i think is used a little bit differently sometimes as a comment system but as a forum where you're just kind of hosting a forum it almost needs to be a place you'd want to go to check in and see what's happening as mm-hmm. opposed to a place you'd go to find a specific piece of information that someone else put there yeah sure and let me bring up some knowledge so i've obviously spent a lot of time thinking about this stuff and it's also fun because i was really burned out of stack exchange at the end i mean i was just massively burned out because i was explaining things to people over and over and getting really cranky about it because to me, I understood it really, you know, this is the way it is. And part of leadership, I realized sadly is explaining the same thing over and over a million different ways. And well, or you could just, <laughs> it could also just be hiring this job. It's or somebody like else a, takes turn. Yeah. You have a tag community team. We pay well, them money and they patiently explain things to people. Endlessly. Well, let, let's use a more colorful metaphor. So you're on a wrestling tag team. So you tag the other person and they take a turn and then you're not quite as burned out. It's just like parenting, actually. Yeah. It's like someone eventually <laughs> you get tired yeah. of all the screaming and someone else has to take a turn. Tag in. All the screaming. Yeah, yeah, tag in. So let me let me explain some. I've spent a lot of time thinking about this and it is fun to to attack this problem from the other angle. You know, if we build an X-Wing, which was Stack Exchange, which I still love deeply, like I love Stack Exchange. I think it's brilliant, wonderful. I, I go there all the time. It's my baby. I love it. But it's kind of fun to say, what if you threw out the X-Wing and you started 
you know, you, you got in a TIE fighter and you started saying, I, I love the empire of bullshit discussion, right? Like, this is where <laughs> I want to go and just basically have pure entertainment all the time. And that's kind of how it breaks down. It's like, what's the percentage? Are you in a classroom, like a community college classroom, not like a high-end Yale or Harvard or whatever, but just like a local community college classroom where the purpose is you're all sitting there, you're facing forward. You're all looking at the teacher, right? Kind of. It's just like you're all looking up at the question. All the answers are looking up at the question. And that's their goal, to answer the question. Whereas on a discussion site, you're really sitting like at a dinner party. So you have a group of tables and you're all looking at each other, right? You're all talking to each other and you're talking, you might like this table or you go to another table and you're talking to other people and you float around and talk to these other men and women. It's much more fluid. It's a discussion. And that, I think, captures the essence of socialization versus, you know, learning. Right. And that's, that's the, the nature of a forum. But what makes it worth attacking to me is how many times do you do Google search and actually end up on a forum? People do produce reliable information on forums. I would say about maybe 10% of the time that might be a little generous. Whereas on Stack Exchange, I would say the, the brilliance of Stack Exchange in Engine, and I know this is completely tooting our own horn, but, but let me do it a boring. little, is that at least half the time you're producing a reusable unit of information. And that yeah. is an incredible number on the internet. Incredible. Highly I don't think there's any usable. system yeah. that does a better job than we do of producing useful information right. on right. the internet. So it was, it was our goal. And it was based on an observation that all that stuff is in the discussion forums accidentally. And that, that if you actually wanted to do that, that a discussion forum would be the worst possible starting point for a way to produce information that's going to be useful down the line. Yeah. Like, I think that was the key intuition was saying, wait a minute, how often, like before Stack Overflow, how, how often do I type question into Google and get an answer, which is merely an archive of a conversation that happened in the past and not actually usable, actionable information. Yeah. And, and I think that's great. And it, forms are still worth attacking to me because if you compare, say, a chat system, right? chat systems are great, but they just do not produce re reusable units of information. I have some theories about why this is. Uh, you can't, it's almost impossible to even read a transcript of a chat. It's so weird how hard it is to read a transcript of a chat compared to sitting in a chat room. When you're sitting in a chat room, you can almost figure out what's going on. And, you know, and participate. You almost understand everything. If you try to read that same transcript, it takes a lot of deciphering. A lot of times, the the order in which things happen in chat rooms is not the same as the order in which they happen in real life. That makes any sense? Because while you were typing, something else came in and you saw it, but then your thing went out. I don't know. Ch well, ch chats have problems. Chats they they do. Yeah. They're they're useful tools, and yeah. and there's actually a lot of overlap. One thing I've learned with in there's a couple of key things I've learned in doing discourse for the last basically 12 months. And one of them is that, that chat systems and forum systems have a lot in common, like mm -hmm. a lot, more than you would think. And a lot of really active forums are pretty much de facto chat rooms, believe it or not. But um, there is still yeah, for, one for chat, key right? difference. There, there's still one key difference, which is that people are typing incomplete thoughts, which I like to call paragraphs. It could be a really short paragraph. But on a chat system, there's no expectation that you're going to type a paragraph. There's no expectation that you're going to type even a complete thought. You mm -hmm. might type something, something, and then something, 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 and then something, something. And those three or four things together are a complete thought. But you, you brought up the core problem, Joel, which is that it's all, they're all interspersed together, right? Yeah. There's not a unit of work there. Whereas right. on a forum, the odds that you'll type a paragraph that I can understand are much, much higher. Right. Than That's really interesting, though, right? Because what you're really saying is that the fundamental difference between chats and forums is not really much to speak of the functionality as much as it's just two different expectations, right? So one is there's an expectation of complete thoughts as opposed to sort of, you know, half clauses you'll fire off in a chat. 
And it's almost the other is just the sort of somewhat more asynchronous nature. In a chat, you sort of expect people to answer relatively quickly. Well, in a forum, you expect a little more time. But that functionally, they're not that different in how they're used. The time aspect is also very, very important. Although the more modern the web gets, the more expectation there is that stuff happens in near real time. Like on, on Discourse, we do actually, as posts come in, they get inserted in real time. So you can use a, a Discourse topic as a chat room, and it'll kind of work. It's not optimized for that, but it'll work. Can we dig, let's dig in a little bit to, for, for the kind of the, the folks that haven't checked it out. You can actually go play with that. There's a very cool kind of sandbox where you can go test it out. But talk about a little bit about what, what features are different. What are the key things you changed with Discourse to fix some of the fundamental forum problems? Well, one thing I like about the forum problem, in addition to the fact that it reliably produces some Google search results, which I think is absolutely critical, otherwise I wouldn't even do this, is that the existing form software is really so bad, like even the good ones aren't that good, um, that it's easy to do better than what's out there. Because <laughs> the, the bar Where is those, so low. Did you, when you were investigating this, did you discover, we used to just think there was PHPBB, there was BBulletin. Did you, did you sort of reinvestigate what's actually out there, who's still selling things into this? Because they're all commercial software, right? We did. And it's a weird market because not that much of it is actually open source. Mm -hmm. um, there's one or two that are. Obviously, the code bases are really old, and you know it, it's hard to explain. I, I I don't know why. I think there's a perception that the status quo is good enough, and that it's not an interesting problem anymore, right? And that nobody cares. It's not sexy. It's not cool. It's not Hadoop or whatever. Nobody worked on it because it wasn't Twitter. Yeah, and and the perception is, oh, forums kind of work, but they really don't. Like if you sit down and if you watch the presentation that Jay is talking about, I I describe my experience of actually posting to get feedback on the forum problem on the straight dope forums and just how painful it was to me as a user, like just the mechanical act of like getting to my topic, like finding if anyone had replied to me, actually replying to them, like the mechanical act of interacting with the software is just horrible. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's the cool thing about the discourse solution is that these, these are relatively easy problems to fix. I can't explain why nobody seems interested in fixing them uh, in, in a broad open source way. It always kills me when I go to some site and there's like this, it's like 123 pages on the story that I'm interested in reading. And it's got those little tiny boxes that are like one, two, three, four, five, yeah. six, seven. And then there's like a dot, dot, dot. And it's like 123. And each of those is like 20 pages. It doesn't even have like infinite scrolling. It doesn't have, I don't care about any of that. It just, yeah, like. Pagination is a perfect example of simple mechanical problems that I'm talking about. Yeah. Because your goal is to get people to read stuff. Like, I found that reading is the fundamental activity on a forum. Yeah. The most engaged users aren't necessarily the ones that are posting the most, because that's like people who talk and never listen. Right. It's the people who read every single thing that's posted on the forum. Those are actually some of your best users, even if they're relatively quiet and don't post. So if you're optimizing for reading, the first thing you do is get rid of the next page button. It's like, as you scroll down, just give me more. Like, you know... Like Jay Leno used to say with Doritos, you know, eat all you want and we'll, we'll make more. So we certainly do that on discourse. And the other problem you have, as you mentioned, is, you know, giant topics. Although we haven't surprisingly seen enormous, enormous topics. I'm not sure exactly why yet. Maybe it's just we don't have enough installations yet. We haven't seen thousands. That's not common. What do you mean thousands um, of posts on one topic? Thousands of posts on one topic. And so what do you have a plan? The infinite scrolling is way better. You don't have those little two-point numbers Joe was talking about. But what will you do when there's 500 replies? How will you jump around? Well, the main way we're handling that now is to enter sort of what we call best of mode, where yep. you basically filter the topic to the most interesting responses. And that's and also kind of a fun problem to think about on a forum. 
how do you tell when a response is good and interesting? Like, what are the metrics that you use to measure that? Number of cats. And, you sure. Uh, let me give you some examples of some things we use. Obviously, we have we have a like mechanism. There's no concept of downvoting on a forum because you can't really downvote opinions. My opinion on you know which X Man is coolest can't really be more fundamentally correct or incorrect than your opinion on on which X Man is the coolest. So explicit likes, number of replies. One thing we're starting to think is important and kind of missed is like if you put a link in your post, how many times was that link clicked? Hmm. If you put a link in your post that's clicked like a lot then that's probably an interesting post to a lot of people. Hmm. We do track read time as you scroll down. Like we can tell you how long every post was on the screen, like collectively of every user that, that opened that page. What else? Bookmarks. If you explicitly bookmark the post incoming links, both internal and external, we actually track both of those. So if a bunch of people linked your post from other topics on the forum, uh, that probably means it's significant. If people link to your post from the outside world, that's probably very significant. And a lot of the thought process I go through here reflects what we learned at Stack Exchange on you know, how these metrics work and, and why they work and what's actually important just through the lens of you know, pure discussion, which is much more entertainment focused. So to answer your question, if there was 500 posts in the topic, at the very top, when you come in, there's like a welcome kiosk, just like when you walk into Disneyland, right? There's a, hello, welcome to Disneyland. Here's your map. Here's, here's what's going on. Uh, at the top of the topic, it'll say, hey, this is a long topic. <laughs> Literally says this, actually. Are you sure you want to read all this? If you don't want to read all this, you can click here and just show the best stuff in the topic. And it is a mode, which is kind of a bummer. You enter a mode where you're filtering the topic. But I think that's the only sane way to handle it at this point. And then you get the sort of the Reader's Digest condensed version of the topic, which has all the good stuff. And the other cool thing we do at Discourse is inspired by Twitter, where one thing I learned from Twitter was that there's value in having your thoughts be relatively standalone. If you can build a thought, if you're good at building thoughts that can be somewhat standalone and bring the context with them, you have a better message than a person who doesn't. So every discourse post carries context with it, kind of like Twitter, where if it's in reply to something, you'll see an in reply to chiclet at the top, which you can expand and it'll give you the context. Like, oh, this was in reply to this other post. If you quote another post, you can expand that quote to show the full post, right? And it highlights just the bit, you know, that you, that you actually highlighted. Same thing for replies. If 10 people replied, you can expand on the bottom and say, oh, here are the 10 replies to this post. Completely standalone. So if you had this one post on a page, you know, outside the context of the topic it was in, you could still bring in, like, the fragments of context. You need to understand that thought. And I actually think there's a ton of little things that I think are, they seem obvious once they're done. But there's a bunch of little things that are just kind of, meaningful but logical improvements on the forum right so it's super media friendly it saves your place but i actually think that that relational linking is like one of the biggest most fundamental fixes where traditionally right what you had was you threaded or you didn't thread right and threading created this whole world of horror you've talked about a lot where you get like two letters on each line on the far right of the page and everyone is you're scanning you're lining up a piece a ruler on the side of the screen to figure out who's replying to whom <laughs> And it's just a disaster to read. And it, I think it also encourages the dumb commentization of everything, in my opinion. So that's a big, painful world to hurt. And the other option was just not to. Right? When you don't do it at all, what you have is this huge list. And you can't, you know, post 16 is replying to post 28. And you can't follow it. And I think there's little pieces of hybrid where I was actually just talking to someone a while back. And they're saying, what do you do? And I said, well, at most, you can thread one level deep. So people can reply in one chain to the top level, but never go deeper. You've actually done something pretty interesting, I think, in that so one you just described is there's the reply notion. So it's a chronological list, right? So your newest post goes to the bottom, but 
when you were replying to a previous one, it's redundant, essentially. So you can find it in its chronological time, but it's also nested and expandable in relation to the post it was from. And so any post, you can see what it was replying to above it or what's replying to it below it. And you can find those things where they belong. And I, I think almost that redundancy is the kind of, it might be the leap that was really not obvious. I think makes it, it changes the readability of these sort of sub-conversations that relate to one big one. The threading versus flat thing is very religious. And it, it's irreconcilable, in my opinion. <laughs> if It is. It really is. If, if you're into threading, you think threading works and you think threading is great you're not going to be able to adapt and you're going to hate our system. It's really a religious issue. Like I've had a number of conversations because discourse is fundamentally a flat system because I believe, and I have a blog post, which you can link in the show notes, which talks about like why I think this is, I think Reddit is a good example, although I like Reddit, but I think the, the whole threading model is just, it causes way more problems than it solves. Neither method is perfect to be clear. Like flat is not perfect. Reddit is not perfect. But if you look at just the cons, like the bad things that happen, then I think, the internet itself shows you that flat has won. Like Gmail is flat and nobody complains because I, I personally love Gmail. I think the UI is great. Yeah. And most forums are flat, really, really flat. Uh, Hacker News isn't, you know, the geeks aren't basically, but geeks love complexity. They love trees. Right. They like trees. They that, love all that stuff. That's the thing that was, that's been my fight for years with, I don't want to say fight, but a disagreement for years between me and Dave Weiner. Dave Weiner always wants to build an outlining tool that has arbitrary levels of, of nesting in a little hierarchy. And he just thinks that way and he thinks that's awesome. And I'm always trying to figure out how to avoid making a hierarchy. So, you know, in Trello, we have, there is a hierarchy, right? There's, there's organizations and organizations have boards and boards have lists. And lists have cards and cards have checklists and checklists have items. And that is sort of actually a hierarchy. But every one of those things had a different name, looks different. You get there differently. It's one deep. You can never have two of the same thing inside itself. Yeah. But, but, but what's interesting is that all those restrictions that we add, which seem totally bizarre to a, a programmer just says, well, why aren't these all the same thing? These are just Lisp S expressions. This should just all work like Lisp or this should all look like Reddit or this should all be just a big tree that you navigate to. And I don't think anybody really thinks as hierarchically as the programmers do. And I think this, Jeff, what you essentially got, I think is all the benefits of one deep, but they're kind of nest. You can find them right near what they're, what the, where the context is. And I, I actually think Apple sort of did this grand experiment where Apple, Steve Jobs basically said, no, no, you can't have folders. Folders are an operating system. People get lost and they hate them. It's just icons. Everything is a single icon. Mm -hmm. And that was great until everyone had 600 of them. And then they made folders. And what he, well, what he basically said is, I'll, I'll give you one deep. One deep. And I refuse to make it look like a folder. And but he basically made folders. Like 16 items in a folder, but, right? Right. All you can have is <laughs> a manageable list of things in a single folder. And I think when you get deeper than that, you just, real people get into that world of like, you know, it's, it's essentially, it's a card catalog. You have to know what you're doing to figure out where to start looking right. for something. There is sort of one neat thing that happens. Once you have a threaded architecture like Reddit, for example, in the Reddit comments, there are certain things that you can enable, which if you have enabled, make it a lot more useful. So the thing that I like is that you can collapse a thread, which is essentially a funky way of saying, I don't want to hear about this train of thought. You guys are going down a rat hole that I'm not interested in, but I am still interested in the original topic. Why isn't that default? Like, I think it's yeah, super weird. Maybe. That the main thing you see yeah. is the 16th guy who commented in response to the yes. 15th guy in response to the 14th guy that who that went pushes down rat hole. the second most yeah. popular comment about the main thing off the page. Like, it's weird to yeah, me that they, they don't the only show one level by default on all those pages. Because I don't know sites. if they think super hard about expanded or collapsed by default. I don't know if that's the thing that is bothering them. I think they're just sort of thinking. Well, I agree with you. And I think one of the great failings of Hacker News is that 
the what, whoever replies first and gets a bunch of replies yeah. kind of wins the conversation because everybody has to scroll past whatever that. the hell that is. Yeah. And the odds that you'll be dragged in or see something there, it's like, oh, how could they say that? Somebody's wrong on the internet. I must reply to this. And the whole thing just gets way out of control because it's first in wins. I mean, people, people always yeah. complain that Stack Overflow had yeah. this. And HackerDoo you know, doesn't even have collapse. So yeah, it doesn't no have obvious collapse. way to, when, when the first person goes way off the rails, very hard to get back right, on. There could be 30 lines of someone making fun of someone else's typo that right. is pushing out the actual response to the post. Which is, which is <laughs> Because better. a bunch of people replied to it, and then yeah. it just wins by default. Of the many problems with threading, that's one of the biggest. And yeah. People said we had a fastest gun in the West problem, but I think threading has a huge problem in that area, much deeper than yep. we ever had. That was yep. more of a perceived problem. But Joel, getting back to your observation, which is that yes, collapsing is a good thing. I think Hacker News should definitely offer this. Think about what that's asking the user to do. Every time you hate something, you must click. Yeah. What is that teaching you? Like, what kind of behavior is that? Like, it's negative reward system. Like, mm. when you don't like something, you must click. <laughs> That's a terrible pattern. And I think just scrolling past stuff is just second nature, right? Like, I scroll and, I mean, you just read. It's like turning the page in a book. There's nothing judgmental about that. You know, it's just, it's just mm -hmm. an action mm -hmm. you have to do to proceed in the book. You just go down, 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 and you scroll, 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 and you flow, you know, downward gravity pulls you down very, very naturally. I would argue that's a much more natural scroll down behavior than this click on stuff to hide it thing is. I think it's just the very fact that there is a tree there, that there's a hierarchical threading thing there, makes people feel like they can add a, sort of a fourth degree comment. It allows them to get off topic in a way, or to, or to spend a lot of time talking about something that's off topic in a way that you wouldn't if you're all at the same level. Well, that's the other advantage is all the replies come in at the same place, the bottom. So if right. you want to see new stuff, there's one place to look versus like anywhere in the tree. It's like, you know, whack-a-mole. You don't know where it's going to come from. And since you're at the bottom of the tree, you have to be a standalone thought. I think this is an incredibly healthy thing for any writer writing any language, any yeah. human language to do. Have a standalone thought that people can understand without having to read the last 20 posts on the topic. Just right. bring enough content. Right. Type some more words, man. Right, right, Words right. are the basis of civilization. If you want, <laughs> if, yeah, yeah. We you did know, that, I mean, we did that in the Jolin Software uh, discussion forums when I first experimented. I just hated the threading, and I was like, this is just one conversation. If it gets off topic, that's just the way human beings are. Start start again. If you want to get, get us back on the topic, start over. Discourse does that, I think, has a neat yeah. thing, too, where I, I don't know how you came to this, but I assume some people or you guys were thinking about it and someone said, well, what happens when something is so wonderful and fascinating, it needs to start a whole other conversation that is completely new and deserves a full dialogue? Yeah, we'll just start a new one. That's free. Well, what's cool, so Discourse lets you basically take one of these individual posts, right, and you can basically start a new post off it. And what's important is that post sits up at top like the, yeah. like the parent. It's just context linked. And so when you're reading through it, when you're reading a great blog post and it links to another great blog post, mm -hmm. you can choose to go read this other holy thing that isn't buried or a subset. And so instead of like having all these branches that get infinitely and eventually this huge system of roots you can't follow, it's like we can plant a whole other tree and this branch will point right to where its base is. And you can go look at it there if you want to. Yeah, that's reply is new topic. That is yeah. enabled. If you go to discourse.org, there's a giant try button and you can play around with this. But yeah, you're right. We really encourage people to start new topics that carry a link to the previous topic. Again, something I learned from Stack Exchange was the tremendous value of showing internal linkages. That was something that came relatively late in the life cycle of Stack Exchange. And I think Josh brought that up early. One of the many things that Josh saw before we did was that you guys need to be highlighting internal links. And he was so right. And on Discourse, that's what you do. You, you click one button, replies new topic, and it puts in the quote, and you just start typing, and bam, new topic, right? It makes it really easy to have some sort of digression that is another topic without causing the current topic to go wildly 
steer off course. And that is something, it's so important that every topic has this little link in the right-hand gutter that's like, hey, you want to move laterally. You don't want to flow down with gravity. You're not replying to this conversation. You're going down a new river. You're, you're hopping over to this other river, but it's easy to just, you know, get through the canal and go to the other river. Mm. And we want people to do that, like, all the time. And that's why it's highlighted so strongly in the UI. Yeah, and I think one of the things that struck me that is it forces people you're talking about to make more choices about the type of thing they're writing, right? So I think if you have a full, complete thought that's relevant to the main point, write it. You have to really care about something enough to start a whole new topic, to go on a side path that you believe it's worthy of a new conversation. And if you wanted to just write, that's what she said, or you spelled that wrong, you'll probably just stop. Like, it actually doesn't seem to fit in the model as well. While there's, you know, I think a little fun and back and forth, it seems to naturally push people to categorize the completeness and complexity of what they have to say, which I think is cool. And going back to something that David said a long time ago, which, you know, I've always had this weird relationship with Gaming Stack Exchange, um, <laughs> that really the reason Gaming Stack Exchange is, is still a net good for the internet is because it's better than what's out there. And that really is the goal for discourse is just to be better than what's out there, just like a good choice that you can feel good about installing that does the right things, that doesn't have massive security holes like the Ubuntu forum breach that happened recently because it's fully open source, it's fully audited by everybody. And it's just, you know, community is such a basic building block of the web. Just people typing paragraphs to each other. I mean, Joel, don't you have this whole rant about computers are like boxes where you type text in? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I probably do. I'm gonna have to look that one up. Every no, it's that every website is just a different Ultimately, variation of every social networking type site. Type something is in like, a box, and we will show it to other computers. We will show it on other computers, and using some algorithm to decide what computers to show it. And at. what's depressing about that is how bad <laughs> you're right. You and know, just you, the only variation is what the algorithm is. Right. That's right. And if you go to a forum, you can try that and you will just feel like a bad person doing bad things because the software is terrible. It just doesn't help you do this simple thing of type text in a box and actually submit it. And the reason Facebook is winning and the reason Twitter are winning is they give a really good type text into a box experience. And have it show up in the right people's place, presumably. Sure. It's actually that's one of the biggest complaints about Facebook is people don't like what's in their feed, which is that Facebook is using some kind of bizarro algorithm to decide what to show you. From your friends. Part of the problem they've made is your feed always was full of weird stuff, but yeah. now you're like, Facebook has this complex algorithm and they're deciding what I should see, and it's still about my dopey friend's sandwich she had for lunch. Yeah. Before, your feed was still full of that garbage. You just didn't have someone to blame for it. Yeah, yeah. it was all your friend's fault. They've inserted themselves. So let's, can we talk about team? I was interesting, when I first saw this, one thing that struck me was this is going to be a firestorm in the forum world, and people are going to fight, and they're going to argue, and there's threading and all that stuff. And what struck me was this is an instant, obvious, almost no argument improvement over traditional comment systems. And I actually at the time didn't know you were going to use it for that. And I, I think that's really kind of how Boing Boing uses it almost because it's just better in every way. Like, so they just had that kind of single list thing. And this then, if they want to use it, adds the context, it adds the kind of media rich stuff. That was interesting to me, seeing them as your second partner. And they basically used it as a replacement for those traditional, you know, type this sucks and something offensive here systems not that <laughs> theirs was like that but you know comment threads are not known for their and i thought it seems like that's a space this could be really dominant right well we never intended to compete with discuss which is I, I never i never know whether to pronounce it discus or discuss you, or... you'd need a q to compete with them to q, be fair you're, you're a q short of being a real discuse i like that that's even better that's a better mispronunciation that's a rare <laughs> i don't hear usually better mispronunciations than i can come up with in my why they keep press. me around here that's good so the main motivation there is to have sort of a better division between editorial content and community content, but still have stuff that goes back over the wall. At Boing Boing, I can tell you, 
the places where discourse does well, and we're very upfront about this, is where you hate the status quo. You're very unhappy with what you have, or you have nothing. Like right? in prison. Prison, it would be a big hit. Well, a lot of forums, are they're happy with what they have. This is why forums aren't advancing, because the status quo is considered good enough, even though it really isn't. And people make it work, because people are social animals. Whatever software you put in front of them, no matter how terrible and awful it is, they will make it work, because there's this unbelievable drive in human beings to connect with other human beings. It's not that the software is working, it's that people are working. But also, sometimes people are overly afraid of changing anything. Like they're worried that if they change one thing, they'll lose everybody. The old cheese was delicious. Yeah, well, it's also yeah, and they're and they're used to the they're used to this thing. They're used to the features that it provides, and therefore, if this new thing doesn't provide every single feature that this one provides, the, well, yeah, then the people will scream, and the managers of these forums are afraid of the users screaming. Some of them also, there's sort of a time issue, which is that a lot of these forums were created sort of at the beginning of the web. They're still there, you know, like the number one Ford Mustang website or whatever. And a lot of them at this point are just owned by somebody that's just throwing a lot of ads on them and just trying to make a lot of money. They don't really... I think there's a cognitive... Part of it, too, is is subconsciously over time, right? What you have on forums is a bunch of old users who really know everything, who are very frustrated by new users who know nothing and haven't searched, and all these kind of traditional, you know, aging forum problems. And the truth is, the inaccessibility of the software, of the medium, reinforces what they want to believe, which is, <laughs> we know how to use this and do things correctly. We're experts at it, and everyone else stinks at it. Like, I think... It, They've, they've already figured out how to make it work for them. I don't think it's a conscious thing. but So, so one thing I noticed, and I was curious, Jeff, is, is if this was a technical reason or if they deliberately separated it, is on Boing Boing, they don't, they don't stick it underneath like you'd see traditional comments like on YouTube where you know there's just garbage right there. There's like a button that says, like, join the conversation or something, and then it takes you to, a, to, to oh, sort of the, the chat world, the world where you chat about the articles. And it's clearly linked directly back to it. You can hop back and forth. But I was curious just as to you know is that a did they decide they wanted to separate the content from the discussion yes definitely interesting they wanted and i think how to geek was the same way and you may remember joel that i always yeah. liked lowell and i was like how can we work it and with work with lowell at stack exchange yeah there really wasn't a way because he, he's so strongly editorial content right and what we do with stack exchange is user generated content these are very very different things never the two shall meet but it turns out that uh discourse is, is a great tool for editorial content where you want to have uh, kind of that strong division. Like, here's the place for the community. It's like the other wing of the mansion. You have two wings of your mansion. One wing is where, you know, the writers sit down, they write their awesome articles. And the other wing is where the community does what they're going to do and talks about some of the articles and comes up with their own cool stuff too, right? And some of that stuff could be maybe featured, pushed back to the other wing of the mansion. But fundamentally, you want some kind of strong division. Like, the comments on a page model, you see this on newspaper articles. Like, mm-hmm. I'm always afraid to read anything about like the Zimmerman trial oh and Trayvon Martin. The because, yeah, the there. comments are, yeah, it's just so I used to totally hate that. I never wanted that. I never put that on my blog. It always drove me crazy because you essentially have this great work that somebody's worked on. And then next to it, you kind of have an opportunity for everybody to just type any garbage that they want. And it sort of receives the same treatment editorially and the same distribution as the work that somebody worked on really hard. <laughs> and it's sort of a, you know, like a, like a, you know it's, it's almost as if like you go to a great opera and the opera is over. And then anybody that wants to can stand up and sing, you know, happy birthday <laughs> from stage. <laughs> it's like, why, why, yeah, why does that the make mic sense? The and the lights and everything. So just yeah. start singing Sir Mix a lot. Because yeah. they can. There's a microphone yeah. there. And anybody can leave. And most people do. But, you know, <laughs> that's, that's the end experience a, of every opera. That's a great analogy. You know, my, my embarrassing confession is every time I go to anything that has comments, where they yeah. use one of those kind of auto-recognized plugins, and so it knows me from Google or Facebook. Yeah. That, every that time I go there, that. I go... Oh my God, I already posted some dump. Co- I see them at that little picture oh, of my your face name at the top of the posted. comments. And I'm like, I can't believe I wrote on this thing. 
All right. So, so yeah. imagine, Joel, if instead of you sitting there, like a bunch of people who said, hey, I love listening to people randomly sing, sat there, listened to 100 people, picked out the two best, and then put the two best on stage, right? Yeah. That's kind of the model sure. that we're looking at with this course is the community vets. Oh, you see content. great reason. You know, actually, the New York Times does that on their comments. And they don't quite do that, but they actually treat the comments as letters to the editor, and they edit them for content and grammar and spelling and stuff like that. And they pick the ones that they like to uh, allow to appear on the site. That's right. So we, we have two ways of doing it, either algorithmically, where, again, best of is doing some of this work. Yeah. And it's fairly sophisticated. Or the editors will come in, and if an editor likes a post, clicks a little heart, then that means that will then get promoted. That's the way it's currently working at Boing Boing by their request. Only post that an editor, mm. somebody who actually works at Boing Boing, not me, I'm an admin, but I, my heart doesn't do this, their heart will push it over to the other side. And that's the only way. And then it just flops over onto the page where the article itself is. It's officially been vetted by, you know, yeah. Corey Doctorow or whoever, yeah. right? So, or somebody else who's on staff at, at Boing Boing. But that's Corey, certainly the model is, is to have a much better experience. We want you to see comments, but only like the best of the best, right? None of the noise, none of the BS. That stuff can all be in the other wing of the mansion where it's much noisier. There's a party going on. There's the wub wub, you know, music right. and stuff you may not like there. The wub wub. Do you mean the unts? All yeah, right. Sorry. Oh, no. Okay. We're aware over, so I'm going to wrap it up. So the last thing we should ask, Jeff, is for the we, – we need a major exclusive, Jeff. You've said you have to have three partners. You've got Boing Boing. You've got, got How To Geek. And you should just announce right now who the third partner is going to be before anyone else knows. Uh, oh, so we have a scoop on that? I, I would like to if it was completely nailed down. but I'll, I I'll, I'll break the story. It's going to be the YouTube comments are being replaced by Discourse. No. Soon you'll be I able to – cons- you can contextualize which ethnic group you are trying to insult and, and what they said that you want to make fun we of. You should go back and look at the YouTube comments. They're actually uh, – They've gotten better. They're not They've as bad as they work. used to be. No, they're good, they're good, good on small posts. So, yeah. so everyone needs to go check out – I bet almost every one of our listeners already follows at Coding Horror on the Twitters. You want to watch presentation? You should go check out Google Forums are dead. Long live forums! It's actually on the Discourse blog. It's actually it's awesome. You can follow the slides and watch the video. It's really really good. We'll link Twitch from the show notes. If you want to link? Have some continuity within the podcast? You can go back to Stack Exchange podcast number thirty one, which is Farewell Jeff, which I think is one of the best podcasts. It's a phenomenal kind of. Wow, that's really harsh. Uh, I don't know if I was here for that one. Really harsh. <laughs> your favorite. Your favorite podcast <laughs> favorite was Farewell podcast Jeff. <laughs> well, it's it sure as hell not any of the ones since you and I have been on, David. They're terrible. Fair enough. And I think that's it. I, I just right. want to point out that, that Jeff, you characterize discourse. I think you should use this new tagline as the empire of bullshit. That should be your new advertising slogan. Empire. <laughs> Discourse.org. The empire of bullshit. Um, and go to Discourse.org and click try it, and you can play in the sandbox, which is not really erased every day. That's a dirty lie. Or go to Boing Boing and click on the comments of any post, or go to How To Geek and click over to the forums. Yeah, if you want to see live sites. Those are real ones. And Boing Boing is a fun place to go. And anyone can get the code, right, and host themselves. They're just sort of running in a dangerous zone. Oh, and and one final observation. It's funny. On this project, I'm kind of like Joel now because I don't really write any code. I just kind of sit here and make (laughs) random (laughs) observations. So now I know how you feel, Joel. Yeah. Yeah, it's much more efficient, right? Kind of a weird experience. Did you get a dog, too? I should get a dog called Taco. <laughs> no burrito. Fajita. You have been listening to Stack Exchange Podcast, number 51, recorded July 31st, 2013, with Jeff Atwood. Thanks for being on, Jeff. Yeah, you're welcome. It was fun. Our usual hosts, uh, David Fullerton, Jay Hanlon, I'm Joel Spolsky, producer Alex, show notes hey. by fake producer Alex Abby. Apologies to Matt Damon. We didn't have time to get to you this week. We'll get to you on 
Next time, this episode has been brought to you by Pan American World Airways. Count on us for help with customs, foreign exchange, and immigration procedures. Pan American, the spirit of the flying liver. See you next week. See ya. Why don't we have Joel record actual commercials for us? That was a good commercial, I thought. Don't you think? No, that yeah, was one of your That's better. what I'm saying. That's that what was I'm a saying. good one. And you know that I don't always laugh at your stuff. That wasn't bad. <laughs> that was so a, I don't tell you if it was bad. That was a pity laugh. You can be honest. You have achieved neutrality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not terrible.